0: The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised.
2: The 3 Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at saspeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the 3 Down Greencast. You are listening to the Internet's only Darren <laughs> Podcast. I'm Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual. And yes. yes, of course, we will talk about the Riders' big West semifinal win over the Calgary Stampeders and look ahead to the West Final against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for the second year in a row, just a uh, second season in a row, I guess you'd say, but uh, in a different scenery. But of course, this past weekend I was up in Saskatoon as Ooh, uh, the Canadian Olympic curling trials were going on. A great weekend had by all. That, of course, being me, John, and uh, my wife, Jenny. Uh, Lacey, maybe not so much because she had to watch the kids most of the time. Right. But But, uh, yes, you may have noticed that uh, a trend developed throughout the week at the curling trials. Because you yes. may remember last week we discussed uh, when John Fraser's Exuberant celebration for a terrific shot made by his buddy Mike McEwen. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: absolutely, and the 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 fucking a Mike heard around the world and around the arena, the Zastel Center in 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 Sask- and, and apparently maybe even on TV. But right. I haven't watched back that game to know if it ever came true. But
2: we have follow up to confirm John's loudness, right? If there was ever a doubt, really, like let's no. be honest
1: anybody that's met me knows that like anybody that hasn't met me uh this might come as a bit of a surprise but there definitely was a follow-up uh <laughs> as <laughs> as needless to say um what's the old line from letter kenny i was in it to win it on sunday after that chaotic game and the good times with you and jenny being up here and just
2: you know and, and, the, the, lo- and the general uninterestingness of the men's final
1: right exactly to put it nicely <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that, that was exactly it. The day started with such a great women's final, and I had Max with me, so not drinking beers that morning, just lots of, like, pop and candy. And then we got back to the house, and, and Lacey had made a delicious pulled pork. And, you know, you just get in those moods that randomly you're like, you know what, I feel like beers, I feel like pitter-patter, let's get at her. Uh, and that all happened before the men's final. And then we mm. arrived at the men's final where the beers continued to flow, and I happened to check my phone. Uh, because my phone was blowing up as, you know, if you notice during the, well, I guess both the men's and women's finals at the Olympic Curling Trials, some asshole in a Bombers in a number 14 <laughs> Bombers jersey in your shot, that was me. Yes. Um And if you notice some asshole wandering around with the Sergio jersey, also me as I went semi-viral for wearing that. But I decided Sunday, I'm going to put on my finest and go. So my phone starts blowing up. And one text is from uh, my boss and my friend, Darren. Uh, He's like, hey, I'd love to hear my name on national TV. So here I am in it to win it. I'm like, "Kate, no problem. Keep your ears open. So a shot's coming down and the crowd starts getting loud. And I can tell that it is definitely a moment where I can go ahead and get full maximum Fraser loud, even in my drunken state without, you know, potential ejection. And I let out the, as you alluded to, Darren. <laughs> to which he rewound, but most certainly picked up on TV. So I was loud enough that almost the entire arena could hear me go, Darren. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my good friend Heather, who was on the organizing committee, was on the other end of the arena, receiving an award for the hard work that her and the rest of the committee had done. Uh, and really I know it was a lot of work and you know as my friend I was proud of her it was a great moment for her and there I was yelling Heather quite loudly but to the point that she also texted and said why are you so loud
2: <laughs> it's cause I've been drinking beers and Ryan sodas all days
1: oh oh yeah <laughs> there was there was, and, and, and again thanks to our sponsors of the Pile of Bones Brewing Company uh, that have made it a tradition that whenever you and I do get together they hook us up mm-hmm. with a lot of free beer Uh, yeah, there was some of that beer left in the fridge as we got into it on Sunday and I can personally vouch, Joel, uh, it's all gone.
2: Yeah, I think we polished the last two off Sunday after the men's final, did we not? <laughs> I
1: think we did. I think yeah. you had it while you were uh while you wrote <laughs> your uh, the good, the bad and the dumb, which was great by the way. Uh to which I, I did laugh that you were able to focus up uh from the delicious smell of some cuckoo's pizza <laughs> with the last couple pile of bones, uh, Scarth Street blondes with
2: us. And it was it was god. it was the Caesar with the hoisin in it that did it, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh god, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot that I tried to make (laughs) it. I I have a recipe for Caesars that in my mind I got hoisin and HP sauce mixed up. Because you're supposed to, if you take a dash of HP sauce uh, and your Worcestershire and like good hot sauce, add pickle vodka to it and pickled beans, it's really good. But in my drunken state, I added hoisin instead of HP kudos to you for still doubting that like that was impressive
2: i mean it was there it was in front of me it would it would be a waste of i believe Lacey's dill pickle vodka to do that because she said don't use all my vodka that that is true I, so i i felt true. like it'd be very disrespectful in her house like i was leaving a half full drink at her door or something if i didn't finish it <laughs> inside joke We're not repeating that one on the pod <laughs> yeah no 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 that one stays inside uh
1: that one might be a story for uh two and out lo- or not two and out fuck uh that's a fine There's <laughs> a
2: fucking
1: for you. oh shit yeah no it was it was a great weekend and yes it wasn't just uh, uh which is also funny as you brought up in the preamble it wasn't just somebody who's a really big darren molding fan which i happen to be i love darren oh. i've gotten to know him a little bit um that no, it was definitely you heard your sets were tuned correctly to the sound of a Darren in a game between two
2: brats. Yes. But there wasn't a Darren on the ice. Um there were a few mentions of boring by us and some other people. Like there were other people in the crowd who actually, I don't know, in jest or not, were kind of saying boring as well. Yes. So that was yes. that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, it was uh I
1: I think I've learned one thing for sure. When I don't know the players that well that are playing i'd rather watch women's curling live by a long shot but the Hmm. men's curling on tv and the reason i say this is you can kind of the watching the men's game on tv kind of gives you this appreciation for these guys calling these wicked crazy shots and then making them but watching it live it's just yeah it's 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 boring there's no chaos to it it's just it seems so routine live so uh but yeah i i am sold on watching women's curling live like and not for like the reasons that people would think, but like the entertainment value was just of the, the women's draws mm-hmm. uh, was sig- significantly better than the men's draws. Other than watching Kevin Cooey absolutely get his ass handed to him uh, in the t- in the playoff
2: game. Yeah, that 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 was always fun. Oh, so good. That was worth drinking over. <laughs> always, and of course, uh, yeah, we do have plenty of playoff talk to get through for the rest of this episode. But as usual, before we get to all that, John um since we've now appropriately recovered from the weekend that was what is in the glass this week
1: one of the only two surviving craft beers from my (laughs) fridge uh that being and they must have been buried behind some of lacy's industrial beer uh because i did find an encomas pale ale um before we started recording which i'm certain in either of our states that had we known it was there it never would have survived and uh it is the first beer i, I had a, i had a small vodka last night with lemon uh but this is the first beer i'm drinking since um since the debauchery on sunday so it, it's delicious by nokomis just maybe not after you pickle your liver for three
2: straight days <laughs> maybe not uh yeah i was going to bring home some of the n- new nokomis modern ipa that just arrived today Ooh. Uh, but i completely forgot to buy it so uh <laughs> i blew it on that one uh, you blew it hopefully next week i will definitely buying some for the weekend. Whether it makes it to next Wednesday's episode or not is a whole other question, <laughs> right? That's
1: that's that's fair. Or yeah. or I mean, we could go back to recording on Monday because I don't think. Although uh, it is the bombers in the West final. Well, well, then we'll, 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 we'll that play that it by meeting.
2: ear. I mean, we're 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 not the kind of people that release an episode at the same time on the same day every week. We never have been, and full disclosure, we might never be. That's 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 fair. We almost certainly will never be. Uh for me, I'm taking it a little easy tonight. Still, um, got to work a little early in the morning for the next few days, so still real no getting after just yet. But for me, uh, Rebellion, the beer that tastes like beer, beer exclamation oh, real, point,
1: real good. And and that one is a good. Um, I might still be kind of hung over three days later because we're both over the age of thirty-five. Um, kind of beer.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a couple left from the old uh, Costco pack down here in Regina. We can get fifteen. Uh. That includes uh, beer, cerveza, and amber. Always oh. a always a good deal if you want to uh, just have some kind of base beers in the house and just kind of build around it, basically. Mm, beer again. So uh, before we get into all the playoff talk, there's no real dumb transition out of this because it wasn't really a dumb situation. Well, it was a dumb situation. But it not, was a dumb situation, but, but not, not in a fun kind way. Of
1: dumb we like.
2: No, not. It was more of a stupid than a dumb. If you understand the difference. Um... Of course, y'all know the news by now where Riders uh safety slash defensive back, slash linebacker, slash all around defensive player, uh Lucias was uh detained overnight after the West semifinal on Sunday for uh you know, a scene at the Earls here in East Regina. Um we're not gonna get too much into this. Uh the only thing I'll have to say, number one, it was stupid, he should never do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh he'll probably probably never be allowed back into that Earls again, which is fair. And uh, don't be an asshole to servers, especially right now, where there's a massive yes. labor shortage and everything is slower and more expensive. And just be understanding of that when you go out. Yes, certainly. Um, but um. but there is there is a you know, kind of maybe an unimportant but sort of noteworthy, uh, I guess, praise to come out of all this, and that's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders organization. Um, in the past, when these sorts of incidents incidents have come out, they haven't always been quite so forthright and you know yep. coming about the whole thing. So I do want to give credit to the organization, uh, Director of Communications, Ariel Zer, uh, her higher-ups, and Lucia's himself, who all understood that it was it was important to get ahead of this and just kind of, you know, be out and open about it and talk about it and just get it the heck over with on Tuesday before, you know, the whole bulk of the week heading into the West Final begins. So which is, kudos which for that.
1: Which is a brilliant move, and the... <laughs> Pirafoy was very upfront and honest. He knew he made a mistake. He knew he was part of a group that made a scene. Uh he even even kind of made light of it saying that he was just hangry. Uh and that's why this all went down. So it, it it was a brilliant move and and to me getting in front of it, you know, rather than somebody somebody finding out that he was in jail the night before, getting in front of it saying you never want to downplay a guy ending up at the drunk tank, but it's not like you found out he was in jail for a DUI or possession or assault or something. It was, he got thrown in the drunk tank. He was an asshole. He admitted he was an asshole. He apologized for being an asshole. And uh, I honestly think it has completely really, because I don't see any talking heads talking
2: about the fact that he shouldn't play this weekend. I think, no, um, I I think it helps that the video came out and while it's not exactly you know, flattering. a positive situation that we see Burifoy in, it's clear that he's not the worst culprit in this. Right. So whatever sort of internal punishment they come up and probably a ban from the restaurant is sufficient. Cer- certainly. Again, he was an asshole.
1: He wasn't the biggest asshole that night, but he was an asshole. And uh, Regina Police did the right thing. Throw him in the drunk tank for the night. The Riders did the right thing. Get out in front of it after he did the wrong thing. And yeah, you you turned it into... I mean, even hell, here we are two days later. It's almost basically an, a non-story, and mm-hmm. I mean, good on the organization for that because these things tend to swell and fester, and sometimes come up after the season and look shady as hell.
2: Yeah, like, I I know people were sniffing around on Sunday night trying to figure out the details of this story, so it was just a s- smart thing to just get out and or Monday night. Sorry, my days are all screwed up because of I was off on Monday. <laughs> um, so yeah, people were sniffing around on Monday night, and then so we we got through this whole thing, and that's uh, just job well done by everyone, other than of course Lucchese for you know and the, everyone involved in it actually happening. But it was handled well after the fact, and that's that's to me that's basically all there is to say about this. I know the league's going to want to have a chat about it, but I'm with you. I don't think he should actually have to miss any time unless there's something completely unless there's something that we've missed and there's something that still isn't known based on everything we've seen it seems like it should be handled by this point. I would agree. Uh, who we do know will be playing in the West Final on Sunday is, of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yes! After they beat the Calgary Stampeders in a game that you and I watched <laughs> together. I think it's the first time we actually watched a Rider game together other than the 2013 Grey Cup when you we both happened to be in the press box working for separate entities at the time.
1: Uh, no, actually, 2013 Grey Cup, I wasn't even in the press box. Oh. I
2: was at Brown Social House. Right, I thought you were.
1: No, no, no. I was oh. I was pretty drunk uh, that afternoon. So yeah, I we I probably spo- have
2: never actually watched a rider game together. I don't think.
1: Uh, didn't we watch a bit of the one before the Heritage Classic? I want to say. Or I came back to your house real drunk and we watched the PVR of it. I think that oh, might be yeah, the closest. Yeah.
2: But yeah, yeah, but
1: yeah. In terms of actually sitting down and, and and watching it, and again, the day worked out perfect. It was a magical little day, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, we sat down and uh, the excitement of the dumbness. And then, yeah, the, the stars aligned.
2: Oh, so good. And we got the dumbest, most chaotic game I can remember in the CFL in quite some time. And it was wonderful. And I would yes. be saying this no matter the outcome of the game had Calgary ended up winning overtime. It still would have been simply as dumb and as chaotic and as wonderful and as beautiful as any game. We've seen the CFL at least this year. I know a friend of the show, Phil and John Dan Plaster, didn't necessarily like the first half, but he admitted after he's like, "Well, I was, you know, he was working in a dead room at Mosaic Stadium on the Maxtron, so you don't get everything right when you're watching it. So maybe he'll have a different appreciation for it now that I think he's watched it on PVR since uh, he agreed the second half was fun, but he didn't really quite like the first half. And I was like, <sighs> I'm like, we're gonna split hairs here, but I'm like, I thought the whole thing was dumb and chaotic, and it wasn't was well played. So it wasn't well played, but damn, was it entertaining!
1: Oh well and and that's that's exactly what it was. I mean you had the the chaotic beginning with and and again what I had to explain to Lacey, I, I kept saying, I'm like, this game is so dumb and I love it. And she's like, what do you mean by dumb? And if if you ever wanna if anybody wants to see what we mean by embrace the dumb, mm-hmm. it is this football game. Like That was just absurd. Like, it starts with, like, the long kick return that's called back because of a real bullshit call. Like, it wasn't a good call. No. And then you've got a, all within what seemed like the first few minutes, turnover, turnover, another block kick. Like, it was another punt return. Like, it was just absolute chaos to begin. And it set the bar, and you're right. It was entertaining as hell. And this is the first CFL game uh, that i think really captured and even from an entertainment level uh, that the casual fan mm-hmm. like there haven't been many games this year that have been that like holy shit did you see it and i can't remember one so anyway. no absolutely and i and mm-hmm. i was at work today it was my or yesterday was my first day back after the five-day weekend to watch curling uh and everybody's like did you watch that game oh my god that was chaotic and even from people that aren't the biggest of football fans like those are the kind of people that you need to bring the eyeballs back uh to get interested and in. yeah like it was just i think you and i both said that you know you could have called your article on three down nation this week the dumb the dumb and the
2: dumbest because it was just yeah i um... was originally thinking with the dumb the dumber and the dumbest right, <laughs> but, right. That, but i think that would have eventually done a discredit to some of at least some of the good in the game so
1: right and there was and there was lots of good in that game and i mean you did an eloquent job of, of pointing it out which i don't know how the hell after the amount of beers you wrote that you still wrote so well like mm. i'm not gonna lie i was waiting for it to come out and i was like wow after a day a day drinking uh, joel managed to write hot fire because god knows that i don't even think i could text by that point so um <laughs> <laughs> uh one of the good things you did point out and we both commented on it as uh-huh. it happened was after throwing four interceptions and generally just having arguably his worst game as a rider Cody Fajardo to stand in there and just chuck and run like he was a man at the beginning of the game or a man you know on on pace for records like we talk, we kind of have been hard on Cody well, I shouldn't say hard we've been deservedly tough on Cody lately and through this season and that game despite the stat line, showed a lot about the guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, we 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 they talk about it in Curling, you know, sometimes it's not how many shots you make, it's when you make them. Yes. And I think that applies at times to football too, because, yeah, Cody didn't even have 200 yards passing in the game. He rushed for almost 100, which is always, which is part of his game. And in the playoffs, that's good and it's important. It right. was, as I said in the piece, and I've talked to some other people, kind of a poor man's Darien Durant 2013 West Semifinal performance. Took the team on his back. You, yeah, you felt it late in the game where he was just like, no, I'm not losing this thing again. Yep. And yeah, it took overtime, and it took a bunch of weird stuff kind of happening even in overtime and a bunch of different things. But they got there. And it was, you know, the drive light in the game that originally gave them the three-point lead that they, in theory, could have held on to. That was kind of, that was his... That was finally I think for him his getting over the hump moment. Yes. Cuz he had been kind of in the his previous playoff game he was down there, you know, we all know the goal line and the you know, the goal post and the whole thing. And so that was kind of that big push, that big, you know, get there, get that, do that when you need to moment and he did it. And then it was up the defense and I you know, a field goal is hard to prevent especially in the CFL, so I'm not going to fault the defense for Calgary coming back down and kicking the field goal to tie it. That is what right. it is. They didn't give up the touchdown, so they're still in the game, so that's good, but That drive and that whole sort of quarter in general, other than the one pick, you know, is kind of the synopsis of what Cody Fajardo has done for this team and how the team is a reflection of both. We've talked about reflection of his coach. I think the reflection of their quarterback as well. The stat line isn't always pretty. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be, you know, well played or well executed, but they're going to grind. They're going to grit and they're going to do everything possible to win that game. And that's what Cody did, and that's exactly what they did in that game as well.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, looking at some of the dumb stats from the game, when was the last time you saw a kicker with eight field
2: goal attempts? Like, probably, that was Paredes. Yeah, there was probably... Oh, God, when was it? Uh, it was, I think there was a game a number of years ago that the Baltimore Ravens won where Justin Tucker hit, like, an absurd number of field goals and didn't score a single touchdown.
1: right and and which is funny because the Stampeders still had a couple touchdowns and let's not forget the one dumb thing that that i think you and i have both kind of forgotten of how about there being a flag on a game-winning field goal for
2: saskatchewan at the end there Though i did see some discussion online about it after the fact that like rider fans all kind of stood still for a second like oh god right (laughs) like there was that there was like there was flashbacks going on at that time and PTSD among yeah, Ryder Nation. and I, I couldn't remember exactly the play, but I was fairly confident it wasn't against the Riders in that moment.
1: No, it, it, it was one of the, even, even you, you I I. Was,
2: I was like, they're probably just offside. Calgary's trying to block the, block the kick. Exactly. And, and, and we talked about the
1: stones on Fajardo, and I also love the stones on Brett Lowther that basically said, I'm ending
2: this. Like, mm-hmm.
1: guys, hold them back. I got this. Like,
2: though, though you and I both said it at the time, we were kind of robbed of maybe the ending this game deserved, which was Kari Vedvik just coming out and hammering it through the end zone for the win.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, which we had debated as to the
2: merits of just doing that. Like, like, just,
1: like, I think if this was a regular season game, uh, you just do that, you give it a try. I remember watching Wally Effing Buono do that uh, in one game. Uh, literally, they got within punting distance and he tried to kick it out and good. But that's the it.
2: thing about overtime is you're already at the... 35 right so we know he can boot the ball so you maybe he might need maybe a first down to make it easier but at that point you might as well just kick the field goal because it's going to the end zone too but it's way more fun if you yeah. <laughs> there's no chance of hitting the upright there's no chance of a doink if you punt it
1: if anything punting might have been the safe play but <laughs> as a man that loves kickers Uh, I just I I loved it I love Lowther calling his shots And people have asked And like my buddy Jay and Trav have asked My fantasy football group chat They're like why no love for Lowther I'm like he's just too automatic He's just he's too automatic He's a little boring Doesn't have a cool name Never come out of the tunnel I I will
2: say To that sort of the counterpoint to that I believe we were the pioneers a few years ago When the writers were kind of shit But Brett Lowther was really good For the Louder for MOP campaign?
1: Oh yeah, we were all over that. That was like season one, and uh, yeah, that goes back to my constant love of kickers. My league actually had to talk me out of uh, running two kickers in fantasy (laughs) football. I I was going to do it, and then two guys were like, Listen, Fraser, we know you like dumb, but we're going to quit if you have
2: two kickers. I'm like, okay, fuck, all right. That sounds like default championship then.
1: It does sound like a default championship <laughs> and the champion gets to pick the draft order uh, or how to determine the draft order for next year. So I might have that up my sleeve if I'm going to be that. So, um, no, love of kickers, love of dumb. There's not enough like it's one thing to see really entertaining, well-executed football, I think, uh-huh. to uh, what was that? Was that Canada Day? I- I'm trying to remember the year that Montreal Saskatchewan oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. game that, that one everybody remembers
2: yeah well, was there was like 200 points combined yeah
1: e- exactly like that to me is is the spectrum where really good well executed football can be really good and entertaining mm-hmm. and that's what you need but on the other end of the spectrum dumb football is also very entertaining and
2: um, there, there's no sport I think that dumb sloppy play is as entertaining as football is
1: Curling, maybe. Eh. I like when things get messy in curling, right? Like, it's not, the, it, like the
2: the you know, sort of the bad and the dramatic and the dumb isn't quite as like dramatic in curling. Like, it's a miss. You're like, oh, that's a miss. Right. Rather than like, oh my god, you come see what just happened. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that, that, that's fair. Which at one point,
1: I believe Lacey was upstairs cooking, mm-hmm. and I think we were like, oh my god, Lacy, you got to come see this. <laughs> So that's yeah. and that's the kind of game it why that's the kind of game that that the CFL needed and mm. it's good. I mean the TV numbers back it up and I could imagine that those TV numbers probably picked up as that game got stupider.
2: Yeah, so it, it, it was over a million viewers which is fairly standard for the West semifinal but given the year that's been I think most of us would not have been surprised had there been a bit of a dip in the numbers that we normally would have seen uh, playoff numbers for the first week on TSN seem to kind of trend normally yep. as they have over the uh, last few years at least uh, have not seen the RDS number for um, the East semifinal just yet but I remember in 2019 it said in the piece that Dunk originally posted up it could have been updated now so the RDS number might be there sorry if it's not if it is um, 400k for RDS for Montreal a couple right. of years ago so that if they repeat that number again, which I believe, which I can't really believe they wouldn't, given right. all, given everything, that would put both games at over a million eyeballs, which is a very good spot for this league to be in very encouraging news. And now they just, unfortunately, you know, that 400k probably won't be retained into the East semi, into the East final, but you hope right. to pick it up elsewhere. And of course, um, I expect this year's West final to just probably be even higher. Given sort of the rematch and the way Saskatchewan played last week and the way Winnipeg Winnipeg has played all year, of course,
1: it's your it's two of your three best eyeball draws in the CFL going head to head on a traditional rivalry that I think suddenly there's more spice to it. I think yeah. that's the mood I've picked up again, very much in my echo chamber um, on Twitter and on social media and speaking to people. But it now seems like like this game is appointment viewing to the point that we've got plans with family this weekend and some of them are heading back to Lakeminster on Sunday. So they don't miss the game. When we said, Hey, you can stay for the game. But they're like, no, we've got to wake up the next day. So we don't want to miss the game. And that's the first time I've really seen appointment viewing for the riders. As you mentioned, uh, it's the biggest rivalry. It's the defending Grey cup champions. We don't know what the hell Winnipeg's going to look like. And you know, it was ugly, but the riders showed a ton of life in that game. And to me, the way the Riders bounced back, found a way to win. The offense, despite the interceptions, looked competent, and the special teams looked outstanding.
2: Mm-hmm. So here's, here's the, some interesting numbers from okay. the West semifinal. All right. Courtesy, uh, friend of the show, Derek Taylor. Yes. Riders, 61 offensive plays, 5.8 yards per play, 4 turnovers. Stampeders, 62 offensive plays, 6.2 yards per play, three turnovers. Riders, special teams, 21 points. Touchdown, four field goals, three converts. Uh, Stam special teams, 17 points, one turnover. So, I mean, fairly safe to say the Riders won the West Semifinal on special teams, and you probably should have another eight points. Well, I mean, you would have one less field goal off the board. You'd have, you'd have a few other points off the board without overtime because the kick, if the original missed field goal early in the game, counted as a touchdown as it should have.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, but it works the... out
2: to probably relatively close to the same. But regardless, I mean, if you're going to score two return touchdowns on special teams in regulation of a game, you damn well better win.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, certainly. Um, also, how good, like, as a Bomber fan, Moro scares the piss out of me. Mm hmm.
2: Like and, and and everyone's just been waiting for it. like he has clearly yeah. been the best returner on the team all year. He doesn't really mess around. He just he grabs the ball and he just goes upfield. Like he doesn't wait. Right. He doesn't kind of dance around a little bit like he sees some guys do. He doesn't like say oh is this lane is the lane. He says okay nope this is my assignment and I just go.
1: Yeah and and he is fast. He is strong. Um and honestly I, I I'm I'm a little worried. I'm I'm less worried because the bombers have Sergio that if they are in a close one they will actually pull it out uh but yeah moro worries me especially against a winnipeg team that to me if you're going to see rust in the west final i don't think you're going to see it on offense that's a veteran offense that looks like they're getting trevor harris back i don't think you're going to see it on defense Andrew harris uh, did I say Trevor? You <laughs> said Trevor Harris.
2: I'm like, that one, he's that, never been okay, in a debate. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: he's been, he's been traded. Trevor Harris is now a Canadian running back for the ball. It's been that long since Andrew Harris has played. I totally forgot his name, despite the fact I was leaning into the steroid jokes, jokes uh, all day on Twitter with uh, Ryder fans. Um, but he's back. That's a veteran offense, a veteran offensive line. I don't think they're going to miss a beat. Where I do worry a bit is that special teams unit, because it's just... It's impossible in football to practice special teams at full intensity. Mm-hmm. There's a reason at training camp they wear those goofy little orange caps so nobody gets hurt. Um and Moro looks so good. That's why I am a little worried of him being a major X factor for the Riders. And in and, and, and honestly, like I, I think Rider fans, speaking directly to you, I'm not gloating that my team was real good this year, but uh, ran into several of course wearing my bombers blue and gold for a good chunk of the trials over the over the past week and I ran into several wider fans that I knew and don't know that said hey I think I think your guys are gonna take it I think I'm like I don't know I, I this is before the game on Sunday I said I just they haven't played meaningful football in several weeks I'm worried about rust I'm worried about a lot of things so I I said I wouldn't underrate if your team makes it um I'd be worried i I I still think I would have been more worried about Calgary because of their quick-strike offense, but this Riders team has some serious Team of Destiny vibes, and mm-hmm. that worries me.
2: Yeah, and I, I I think that's fair, and I mean, we've I have kind of feel those vibes too about this team a little bit. Um, that's hey, okay, it was, th- you, that, it was <laughs>
1: you that put the bug in my ear. I, yeah. just, I was blackout drunk by that point, so I forgot to give you credit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean... <laughs> The, the week before with Calgary, you know everyone was kind of a lot of people were on Calgary and you know I, I kind of, it's sort of the thing I've been talking about a little bit about Gordon a little bit because I, I felt a little bit on an island where I haven't mm-hmm. really felt like Calgary was that much better than Riders like everyone was saying, no like my, my thought along yeah the Riders are a flawed team but I, I don't think the I don't think Calgary is either I don't think Calgary's act was that good either and you know I I no matter if that game ended in overtime either way. I think my point was proven that it was like, okay, Calgary is a flawed team and it's not as isn't the significantly better team. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders than a lot of people thought they were. Yes. And in this case, the Winnipeg blue bombers are definitely a far significantly better team than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But, and, and despite everything you've said, it's entirely all true. Um, I'm still kind of going back and forth because I've been, you know, very on the record on this podcast and kind of out in public and on Twitter and different places where I felt that the bombers are one of those teams that have been so good all year, and maybe it's hard to say if these hiccups down the stretch matter for them or not. Given, you know, sort of how no, they, they given, were
1: playing as little people as yeah. they could, and and basically came out with the most vanilla game plan you've ever seen.
2: Yeah, so it's hard to say whether that really changes anything one way. There, I know it's not going to be the reason they lose, but to me, I'm like. They look like one of the they've looked like one of those teams that have been so good all year that just isn't gonna get the job done for the one, early two
1: the early two thousands Indianapolis Colts. That's yeah, the vibe. For I one get.
2: reason or another, we've seen it with Calgary how many times? We've seen it with the Montreal Alouettes back in the day. Um, you know, the Riders ran into that juggernaut Edmonton team that was fifteen and two once and no one gave them a chance and they crushed them in the West final, right? So I yep. mean stranger things have happened in this league, and I know you know, the Bombers should be overwhelming favorites, and they should get the majority of the picks on Sunday heading into that game. There's no question about it. I'm not saying the Riders should be disrespected by that or anything like that, even though they probably will be for motivation or whatever nonsense teams and players still believe in these days. Nobody um, believes in us. No, exactly. No one ever believed in us. It's us versus them, us versus the world, like always, yeah, for everyone. And, but yeah, I mean, there's still always that feeling at the back of my mind that I'm like, okay. Winnipeg should probably win the Grey Cup this year, but we've said that about how many other teams in the past and they Hamilton. just didn't do it. Hamilton, I mean, just I mean, probably twice in the last three seasons. That was Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. And they just didn't do it. So I mean
1: Now now here's an interesting one, and that's actually our good friend and friend of the show, Fonzie Van Dam, that mm-hmm. pointed this out. I was just scrolling through Twitter here. Um, take takeaway the head to head. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan have the same record. Yeah. And Saskatchewan beat every team that Winnipeg lost to. He also brings up on his Twitter how close that Banjo Bowl was until the shit show at the end. And Cody it was. Getting hurt.
2: Yeah, like, like, the first half of the Banjo Bowl, if you're a Ryder fan, should give you some glimpse of hope into, you know, sort of what they need to do to win that game. Because right. the, the Labor Day Labor Day game was a shit-kicking, and then sort of everyone was hurt in the second half of the Banjo Bowl, and you just got to basically write that off.
1: Yeah, and, and, and we, you and I said, said as much right here on this program.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't read anything that second half. I believe Cody, like, half the offensive line and a bunch of guys on defense are all hurt, and it's like, well, pfft, you know, they were missing, like, seven starters at that point. No one's yeah, coming exactly. that. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, no no football team at any level is is winning with that kind of depth out. So I, I find it, um, I'm with you, and maybe this is my self-deprecation as a Bomber fan, and maybe this is, you know, hoping that I, you know, can pull off the reverse Fraser curse yet again, but the gambler in me is taking is taking saskatchewan to cover the spread it's an eight it's about eight eight and a half everywhere that high uh, Jeez. yeah i think let me go back to that's C- high for on that's high for a CFL game. site it's an eight point so winnipeg's an eight point favorite hmm.
2: yeah t- I, I i think i think i could easily see them covering and losing for sure
1: Well, that's that's exactly it. I don't know if I would outright pick the Riders to win outside of Fraser Curse purposes. Hmm. Um, But I do think that Saskatchewan covers that spread. I honestly think we are in for one hell of a football game on Sunday that can go either way despite the many fears of fans in Rider Nation because as much as Cody as much as praise as we've given him for standing in there and, and being Darian Durant light. If your team can win a playoff game in which your quarterback throws four
2: picks mm-hmm. and under 200 well, yards, as, as, as Cody said, after the game, he was like, if you told me before the game, I was going to throw four picks and win. I'm going to say you're psychotic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> One of the best quotes ever. And then Cody on Twitter, I don't, again, he's randomly got you blocked for some reason. Mm-hmm. uh, But he quote tweeted about Lamar Jackson Doing the same thing in the NFL that day, and and he said, "Well, must be something in the air today." <laughs>
2: that's a good tweet. Like it was, it was,
1: <laughs> it was good. It was self-aware, and that's the thing with this Riders team. This is always the vibe I get from the Cody era. Uh,
2: I, I believe it's the Craig Dickinson era too. It was, I believe it was. I, yes. it was Jamie and I of the Green Zone who had the commentary where he said that you know teams sort of take after their coach, and Craig Dickinson is very level-headed. He's very sort of take it as it comes, and isn't too up about anything, isn't too down about anything, and in those spots where, you know, in some games where, yeah, you've thrown for less than 200 yards and threw four picks, I mean, you can understand why most people, a lot of players, would be like, ugh, like, then that would rub off on the whole team when a player of that, you know, magnitude performs like that, and none of them were affected by it. No, no, Cody's joking about it hours later
1: on Twitter, like, to have that kind of Confidence and self-awareness, and and you can tell that is the vibe around this team, and that's mm-hmm. what you need in the playoffs. Not get too serious. The other thing too, I I think, is going to be a detriment to Winnipeg, and this might sound crazy, is a, you know star Canadian running back Trevor Harris, um <laughs> coming back. Everybody's saying this is a boon. This is a boon. Yes, Andrew Harris is one of the best running backs the CFL's ever seen, but I fear. That they're going to try a little too hard to get him involved early on, and that could open the door for Saskatchewan just a crack. I feel like if he's in, they're going to give him his touches. They're going to try real hard to get him his touches, as you have to. You have to get a guy going in football, and it could leave the door open.
2: Yeah, I I will say, despite how good the Riders' run defense has been all year, they did struggle with Andrew Harris and Kaneem Carey. Yes. Those, yes. so, the, so, I mean, that is certainly a problem for them. And I talked about it in the piece that I'm like, okay, we know these guys that they struggle with, that this has to be a thing. So I think sort of like the West semifinal, and it's, you know, it's kind of cliche, but I think especially against this Winnipeg team where we've seen what happens against them when you let them get going early, I think the Riders for once need to find a way, especially in offense, to start fast. If they yes. can start fast and put some creep of doubt into the minds of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, then we are going to have a game. If they have their typical, it takes us a quarter to get the offense going, and Winnipeg is able to get a few points and kind of get their mojo rolling, then it's going to be over quick.
1: You said it best, right? Going in, and going into halftime, and this is right before I had about eight more beer and completely <laughs> forgot most of the other great comments you had throughout the game. Um, you said it best at halftime.
2: I think it was after we, the we, first we, quarter. It was like, it was 7-3. Yes. And I said Calgary didn't have a fast start. The Riders have a chance here.
1: Yes. You said they weathered the storm, and that's what they need to do again and
2: they don't even they don't need they don't only need to weather the storm against Winnipeg, they need to create the storm.
1: Yes. I would I would definitely agree. And I feel like all this storm talk is going to make a bunch of QAnon followers start listening to us and even Jamie Soleil, who once, if you would have told me a year, a week ago, months ago, that Jamie Saleh was listening to us, I would have been thrilled. But now, I just throw up in my mouth.
2: Hashtag Team Peltier. <laughs> Let's go, Peltier. Hey, Jacques Cartier, <laughs> show's over. <laughs>